Welcome to Comic Book Nation, the official podcast of ComicBook.com. I am your host, Kofi Outlaw, and I am still apparently the reigning world champion. Kofi, 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 Kofi. If Kofi. you have no idea what that is, that is a reference to uh, wrestling because on the podcast today we have my co-host Matthew Aguilar and we have brought back Connor Casey, one of our WWE experts. And if you couldn't tell from that intro, we are going to be talking about some WWE today because we are going to be recapping the Money in the Bank event. Uh, if you haven't been listening, our last episode, we kind of had Matt and Connor predict what would happen during Money of the Bank. And now we're here to see if they still deserve jobs as experts <laughs> or if they got things horribly wrong. So we'll be doing that trial at the end of the show. But we have other things to talk about today. Oh, man. You know, that's great. Now I'm on the wrong page. <laughs> See, we spent so much time setting up this bit. Not enough time. How is that our fault? How is that our fault? Anyway, getting the show back in order, we will be doing a little discussion about whether or not Avengers Endgame can actually topple Avatar from the top of the box office. We are going to talk about a little bit of the madness going on with this Game of Thrones Season 8 do-over petition. We're going to talk about Quentin Tarantino's head-baffling trailer for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And I will be reviewing the new comedy film, Booksmart. So, it's a lot to get to. We might as well get started <laughs> We've, after that illustrious start. <laughs> jumping right into it. If you haven't been living under a rock, you've probably heard that uh, one of the lasting conversations to have right now about Avengers Endgame is how it's going to ultimately kind of perform at the box office. Endgame has come out. It has shattered records left and right and just been a high-speed train plowing through you know, the list of highest grossing films of all times. And now it is at number two with only one challenger left to topple, and that is James Cameron's Avatar. So, uh, last time I checked, what were we, like, seven, six, seven hundred million or something like that, or not even that much anymore? Uh, no, it's only one... The gap? Yeah, talking the, about gap. the gap between? It's only 160, right? Yeah, it's it's under the 200 million mark. Yeah. Wow, really? Yeah, it's yeah. that Ooh, close. It's jumped. It's that close. Yeah, yeah so anyway, was, just to well, reframe. It was 200 before Sunday, then Sunday happened. It's like and 172 it's, now? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I was just writing all last week trying to instigate this whole thing with like, <laughs> uh-oh, might not make it, might not make it. And it's going to be close. Like, yeah. Yeah, so we're talking about this because it's going to be really close. It was looking doubtful last week because the daily returns. I mean, it was basically, if you're not into box office metrics, sorry, but like, you know, in stats and measurements of box office, you know, you have to kind of, it's almost like pacing. You look at the pace that a movie is making returns on the daily combined to say, like, compared to say, like, Infinity War and other films or like Avatar. And uh, it was just about something we've been discussing since Jim uh, Viscardi brought it up here, which is whether Endgame would have the kind of staying power and the long legs to go the distance like Rocky and really make the run needed to topple Avatar. So it looked like things were slowing down some point last week, but there's been a kind of impressive rally cry. I mean, Marvel fans have really, I mean, it's become a thing. People who do not like Avatar that much and love Marvel are really motivated to kind of make this record happen. 
So they started creating hashtags. You know, so like these are the like, fun fan movements. Like, yes, yeah, yeah. right. I mean, it, I mean, it is a positive one. Like, <laughs> I mean, it's sure it's people who are hating on Avatar, but it's hate in a positive way. Like, right. Let's go put our money where our mouth is and like go out and do something. Support it, right? Yeah. Support it. So I mean, and that's fair game, right? That's not cheating or anything no. like that. So, and I was telling Jim too, it's not like Avatar didn't also do a reissue of their movie to make like that. That's figured into that total. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I have no problem with this like artificial like let's let's make this happen type thing. Well, it's the same time. Black Marvel Panther was in theaters out. for a very long time, even when yeah. the returns were slowing down on it. I mean, it was making it money was, when Infinity War came out. But like, like Black Panther was base, was still in theaters after the home video release. Yeah. So, yeah. like, yeah, can Marvel ima- can extend it like right. that. They'll make I would it imagine, happen. like, if theaters are still making money off it, then they'll keep the movie in the theater. Yeah. I think, and the big hurdle, I think, to get over was whether Detective Pikachu was yep, going to come out and to. really just mm. kill all momentum for Endgame. And that didn't happen. That's not to take away Detective Pikachu is mm. doing fine. But Endgame managed to roll through that yep. that block and still do pretty well. So and it mount, wound up losing to John Wick this weekend, right? Yeah, and yeah. lost to John Wick this weekend, but that was to be expected, right? Like, and it's got it, yeah. and Disney's got only itself to beat, right? This Aladdin. weekend with Aladdin. Yeah, exactly. So, in a lot of ways, Endgame will be good programming for people who like. There's still going to be this demographic of people who are not old enough to see John Wick but don't want to go see Aladdin. So that teen crowd, something like that. And that's what I was talking about, like Titanic. It's still good for that teen crowd that just wants to, like, get in, get to a movie, and it's like, I'll see Endgame again. And again, all the people who want to do it just out of spite for Avatar. So here's here's a question. This is one of my original questions way back when. Could the runtime be affecting its slowdown at this point? Oh, absolutely. I I think it would... I don't know yeah, if the, it had, if it would have already beaten, but it will like I feel like it would be small. close. Yeah, it, the gap would be a lot closer if it was actually two and a half hours or two hours. Yeah, yeah. If, it was able to to three. if it was able to sneak in one or two more screenings. Yeah, per I theater. mean, getting yeah. that three hours and doing it repeatedly is is a big undertaking. So I mean, obviously it would, but I mean, there's any number of things you know that Marvel could do. I still think they should pull out some uh, dusted uh, post credit scene they have in a basement <laughs> and just be like, we're re-releasing Avengers Endgame in theaters with a special update like or a special something at the end. I mean, if that's what it takes, yeah. do it. We're so, this close. It could even Sony be, it could even be do something. Do like an extended little preview of It could uh, even be something like that they totally plan to intend on re- releasing on the Blu-ray. But they just attach it to the end of, yeah. of the movie. Yeah, exactly. people will go out and see exactly. that. Exactly, and that's like all you really need. Like yeah. you need the barest, thinnest, half rotted carrot to just. Like, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I'm thinking about going to see it again. And Me too. Because of this, Didn't I mean, it? I literally want to. But like Jim says, like I got kids and like committing three hours and three being like, a long time. Yeah, yeah beating my wife. Like, could you just take care of these two for three hours? Because I can help the Marvel fans push this over the line. It's like not something that sells in a lot of houses. So like, yeah, getting that time is. Is a lot. So if there's any kind of like alternate endings that they filmed, I'll be back in the theater for that. No question. Yeah, I think me a lot too. Of people would. Like, yeah, even if it was deleted scenes, right? Like they could just put something. They could just say they're putting something special at the end, and people would go out to see it. Yeah, as a thank you. Yep. As right. a thank you for right. helping that's, us that's push the, this that's all the, the way over the line. Yeah, of course. Um, but all right, it sounds like we're pretty hopeful. I mean, it sounds like it could. We're pretty at least. I mean. I think it could happen. I, I do. Um, it depends on what happens. If 
If it was still Godzilla, 100, like, I mean, uh, Godzilla worries uh, me a little bit yeah, because yeah. John Wick and Godzilla and Detective Pikachu, that's a lot of market share to be eating. I think um, John Wick made way more money than I think a lot of people anticipated. Like Just in in looking at what the first one made, what the second one made, and now what this third one made, uh, I think it was probably maybe 10 or so million more than... Uh, yeah, I mean, hmm. we reviewed John Wick in the last episode. You can't no. hate on John Wick. Nope. They deserve that money. I mean, that was mm-hmm. a great time. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I'm cautiously optimistic. I, I'm just with, I did the, like the Twitter reactions for this, and I'm just with the person who's like, can't we just get Daddy Warbucks to help us? <laughs> <laughs> I, I think if it's not artificial, like if it were just to run its natural course, yeah. like you weren't to, like Disney were to prolong or anything, I and this rally cry wasn't there, I don't think it. I, I feel like it might not be. Well, no, but you need but I think all of this that, stuff. But is what factors into letting right. it be and be fine. Does it yeah. have to happen this weekend since Godzilla is going to take a big chunk out of the worldwide box? Office? I mean, no, I no, mean, it, 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 it could do it quietly in the background. Right. Yeah. Like, if I mean, it made yeah. another 10 to 20 million this weekend, I think it'll be fine as yeah. it is just really to get the drips. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you you we it doesn't need to make it doesn't need to make know, a terrible it, amount. It's one of those things though. It doesn't look it, in the grand. It hasn't even things, been out. It doesn't for a month look yet. like it's that big. But 170 million when you're not pulling in those big early week numbers, yeah, but is a hurdle. You're talking to about clear. it has. We we usually are so caught up in like the movie, you know, first, second, third weekend kind of yeah, cycle yeah. that we forget that like there is i mean this is like one of those kind of coastal versus main street type things in the sense that we forget there is like a whole sector of the population that doesn't mess with like new movies yeah it's and true like the things that happen we we stop counting the slow drips after a certain point because our attention gets refocused but yeah these things keep dripping in the background and eventually you just get a report that somebody says like oh we crossed the line today or we're about to cross the line and like yeah. I mean, Venom was, Venom was kind of the same way. I mean, it was yeah, not necessarily domestically, forever. but it, yeah. it stuck around for a very long time. Well, and Captain Marvel was the same way, too, as far as hitting a billion. Yeah, it yeah we didn't, it, I mean, we didn't expect we that, and then all of a sudden, it was just like, Captain oh, Marvel. we're at one billion, and it's like everybody had half forgotten about it like <laughs> in the main conversation, but here we but are. But then it, it just So I'm going I'm to be cautiously optimistic just because I want to see Marvel take it, and that's, I think, where I'm going to leave it. Uh, yeah, we got to keep moving because we got a lot to talk about, so let's move on. Uh, Game of Thrones... There's a petition going around for Game of Thrones Season 8. By the way, if you have not heard, we've done two bonus episodes in between like our last episodes. One was about the Robert Pattinson Batman casting, so be sure to check that out because some people were saying in the last episode that we didn't talk about it enough, but we put it in its own episode. And another one has been about the Game of Thrones Season 8 and the finale and all of that. So we have in-depth breakdowns, special episodes just for that. Make sure to check those out. Uh, but out of that Game of Thrones discussion, there's this petition for that's reached 1.4 million signatures already for season eight to get a do-over. And the reason I'm only bringing this up is because I think it marks a point where we've reached like peak toxic fandom, where people are like now honestly entertaining the idea that HBO, if enough people complain that HBO is going to go back and remake. I know Game of Thrones season I, eight. I think that's I think that's not necessarily the point of that petition. I think if anything, the takeaway from the, the petition is that there's 1.4 million people who are that upset at the way season eight has gone that they just want their voice heard that like they invested X amount of time and you they, have a lot of faith in the internet. I think a good yeah. portion of those people actually think that they could get, they could pressure some HBO into 
remaking it's season probably eight. a mix the, the, yeah, it's probably, probably is a mix, a mix yes yeah. these are probably a lot of the same people that thought we could remake star wars 8 yeah and it's like <laughs> we'll thing always is, come down to they the internet got sonic changed or mass effect 3 is ending or yeah. like like this stuff has been going on for so long i can't stand petitions and like to me that's like 1.4 million people that i don't need to talk to <laughs> <laughs> you just cleared my friends list. Thank you. I don't like. I don't do this whole like. If if you don't like art, that's fine. You can hate it. That's my whole point. But don't yeah. remake like. And that's I don't like it when they point. cater to that's them either. The only reason I brought this up, it's like, I think we. I think what Jim is saying is probably true. There's people who just want their voices to be heard. But I think people actually, some people honestly believe that because I have arguments online with some of these people who honestly believe that. Mm-hmm. And it's like you. First of all, in crapping on this, you you are crapping on. A, a monument in the case of Game of Thrones, a monumentous undertaking by a lot of people, hundreds of people who like put in work to make this show happen, and like, True. and that's fine. I get it. You don't have to honor them. You can still just criticize True. the actual okay, thing. Yes. But to say it's not as easy as we just want to do over, like you're talking about a year of people's lives. Yeah. Like a massive crew that has to be reassembled, locations, some of them really remote that have to be reaccessed, sets, all this stuff. Like the the bill you're talking about will never be worth the returns. It's never gonna happen. So And it sets a terrible if, precedent. Yeah, too. And as long as if okay, if you wanna do this and you wanna criticize it, you yeah, I can't tell you not to criticize Game of Thrones season eight. I have criticisms of Game of Thrones season eight for sure. But Let's just all be on the same page that these petitions should not actually result in any kind of action, nor should people be, like, going insane outside of HBO offices demanding this as real action. And I get it, and I even said this before, like, I get it, the hypocrisy, because I have pushed for something like the Snyder Cut, and I get the hypocrisy of that <laughs> whole statement. Hmm. Really? <laughs> yeah, Jeez. I know. I thought, I think just that was learned an awful lot right now. <laughs> I'm going to start scooting this couch I the other way. I actually do think that there's enough of it there to put it out, and I really enjoyed the Zack Snyder DC universe, and I just wanted an ending. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I have to acknowledge, in keeping things fair, I have to kill that part of my own desire and say, like, yeah, these petitions should, I mean, let's just say, PSA, they should not result in any kind of real action or pressure because that's insane. No, yeah, absolutely. So should Sony not have changed Sonic? No, they shouldn't have. I mean, <laughs> they shouldn't have. Go with what you got. I, I I think the Sonic thing is different because a fan literally took five seconds and made a much better Sonic. But that's like, they're not they're, practical to then go through an entire movie and reanimate all those. Like it's the same. It's the same preposterous notion of like, oh, you can fix slope. this in but a day. You, you got to keep in mind though, Sonic hasn't come out yet. Game of Thrones is no, but, already but out and done. But most of that done. movie is, is done. still done. Yeah, but, yeah, but they, you can, they arguably you can change anything in a film before release date. Right. That's fair game. It's and the it, character's it's, main design. It's not the same. Okay, <laughs> but it's, it's not the animated design. Connor is exactly right. Like, if Sonic had come out in theaters and fans were like, I saw that, don't like it, go back, change it, present it to me again. Like, that would that's be ridiculous what, if yeah, they tried that's that. where we are This now. is still their vision. They should give a middle finger and say, this is what and we're going to release. With you. And they as would make creator, no money. Yes. As a creator, that's okay. Then they learn. As a, creator of <laughs> internet, as a creator of internet articles, I don't let people tell me what to do right. with how would I create. So, like, I, yeah. I if no one likes that. it, cool. You can crap on it all day. I'm not saying you can't negatively, like, have negative feelings towards them. That's perfectly but valid. But I can't add that to a testicular slash 
ovarian fortitude to the creators. They have to resist on their own. Like, really great sense. Like, <laughs> that, they have to resist on their own. Like, I'm not going to sit here and say, if you are the Sonic guy who made Sonic and you cave, you caved. Mm. Yes. Like, you that's cave. on you. Don't like, go back yeah. and do that. Release it yeah. and let it be done. And yeah. it's not going it, to cost Sonic an ungodly amount of money. To fix that design, it's gonna be a lot. Yeah, of compared to what Game of Thrones would have worth. to blow, that juice it's is a lot of money. It's gonna be a lot what was it, of money, and it's episode? money they're not gonna make. Yeah, they're they never were gonna get. make it with the current movie, even though like I'm not as that money's on never it. coming back. Yeah, right. They're <laughs> trying to <laughs> save face. Those programmers are probably never seeing a bonus. So just release it, let it be done. In two years, the internet community will Sega do a not care about Sonic, and then you can Sega do a Sonic relaunch and bring bring back a classic Sonic to the console. You know, there you go. Boom, you sell a lot of games. Moving right along, this one's gonna be a quick one. We had some uh, number four announcements that I thought we should uh, quickly go over because we didn't talk about uh, Rick and Morty is coming back for season four in November, which I am so psyched about. I was a latecomer. I came in at season three which was arguably my favorite season still. So, yeah, that was a good time. And then I got obsessed with the show for a long time, like for a stretch there. So I'm really excited to hear, uh, to see this one coming back in. They even offered Kanye West his own entire episode of a Rick and Morty episode. Two toxic fandoms coming together as one. Wasn't there a giant, there was a giant gap between two and three, wasn't there? Yes, there was. This one's actually bigger, though. Yeah. I checked the date. That one was, this one's, this one's just short of two years. Yeah, yeah, there was a big gap, yeah. And they did the thing where they launched season three on April Fool's Day, Mm -hmm. and then it was like September before August before the rest of it came out, so... Yeah, I mean, that's Rick and Morty, but, you know, now they got the money, so now they got 70 episodes, presumably seven seasons, you know, 10 episodes a season, so they should be rolling now. I still uh, don't buy that story. I feel like that was that was a fake story they put out to be like, yeah, <laughs> 70 more episodes, Rick and Morty. It's just like, to instill nah, confidence? Th- this, might, this might end after Like, just season. to instill confidence yeah. that, like, it's not going to be as bad? Like, what, what was at the end of the first season? Rick's rambling, like, 11 more seasons, Rick and Morty, forever and ever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was saying, uh, just judging by the amount of money that show makes just from licensing alone, mm-hmm. like, it... Yeah. It has a whole section. What, a, what, what, McDon- <laughs> what McDonald's condiment does this drive a frenzy oh, God. this time? Oh, God. I mean, if Brandon Davis is lucky, it'll be like some Chick-fil-A sauce <laughs> or something like that. Who knows? But, all right, that's Rick and Morty 4. We are psyched for that to come back, so we will be having some Rick and Morty discussions when that comes back, for sure. The other one is John Wick has already gotten uh, number four, chapter four. John what Wick a keeps cool making a cool way to money. announce it, too. What's cool. that? There's a cool way to it that they announced it. Oh, like, they send text messages. They, yeah, to they send yeah. text messages to people. So people who signed up for like the John Wick three like trailer heads up and stuff like that. Anyone who was on that list got the announcement. Then John John Wick four was coming. Wasn't yeah, they use a line from the movie. You like you know something. You, you will serve. You will be of service. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they and they sent it to people to announce it. So John Wick four already has a release date. It's coming in twenty twenty one. And, uh, yeah, May 21st, 2021. So John Wick will be back in just two years while Keanu's still able-bodied, I'm sure. Um, And I'm looking forward to that because if you want to hear my whole John Wick review, you can listen to the last episode. But, uh, yeah, part three was great. The action's just getting crazier. And I like that John Wick's getting to that Fast and Furious point. (laughs) <laughs> where it's like not bound by reality anymore and like Jones is becoming fun. Superman. Yeah. It's going to be riding a yeah. torpedo soon. 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, John Wick will be, and he'll be like, shoot the torpedo in the head <laughs> somehow. Like, it's going to like blow up the moon next. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but uh, you got to be careful with that analogy, though, because Fast 4 was easily the worst one of the entire franchise. No. Tokyo oh Drift, man. No, Come on. no, no. Too fast, too furious. How is that not All right, yeah, that's the easiest that's answer. Too fast, too furious at the bottom, but then four is at the <laughs> that's is terrible. Fast and Furious wasn't that bad. It was the thing that actually got us back into the series. Like that's when the series, like everybody started getting back into it. They brought back the original cast, and they were like, "All right, all right, like let's do a real movie." And then they made Fast Five. So, so do we get Dwayne the Rock Johnson and John Wick Five? Oh, oh. <laughs> that'd be <laughs> sick. We already have Kevin Nash in I'd the series. Like you know they're Batista. talking about it. We, I'd like to see Batista. Batista would be amazing. Yeah, that'd yeah, be great. John Wick Five, but uh, all of that. Yeah, so I'm psyched about that. Love John Wick. Let's keep it going. All right, moving on. Uh, let's talk some Quentin Tarantino. Today, uh, just before we came in, we got the trailer for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which is by far, for me, Quentin Tarantino's most, I won't say, like, not, it's not disappointing, but, like, hardest sell so far. Like, this is the one I, movie of his that I'm looking at and that I'm not instantly, like, I'm in. I'm kind of intrigued. I was really kind of psyched to see what this trailer would be. Um, and it's growing on me. It's painting a much more interesting picture. And this looks like Quentin Tarantino's kind of indirectly direct reference to, like, the Hollywood experience, like, what it's like, probably the good, bad, and ugly of the, that he's experienced and the weird, for sure, mixed in. And just, um, yeah, it looks like it's going to be a very kind of expose about Hollywood through these kind of, quote-unquote, fictional story means. Uh, but... I'm kind of looking at it. If you haven't watched it, you should watch it. Basically, it has Leonardo DiCaprio as like an aging star um, in 1960s Hollywood. Brad Pitt is his stunt double. Um, and it's just kind of this story about Leo's career and Brad Pitt's character's career as like, you know, Leo begins to age and begins to wonder if he can still do these kind of like action cowboy roles or if he shouldn't be doing something else. And Brad Pitt's getting told, you know, fed into his ear that he could become his own star and it's kind of the relationship between these two guys in the context of this larger world, weird-ass world of Hollywood where there's, like, a Bruce Lee character and Margot Robbie's playing this, like, you know, famous actress. Anyway, yeah, it's hard to – I mean, this is the thing about it. Like, it's hard to sit down and just talk with somebody and explain, like, what – you, your note in the show notes is exactly kind of how I felt. You're just like, WTF is this movie? Like, I, I had no idea. Other than like, because there's just a, a bunch of weird shots. Like, the shot that I legitimately laughed out loud is there's a shot where uh, you see what I, pre- you know, you presume is Leonardo DiCaprio's um, trailer, and then you see Brad Pitt sitting in a golf cart, like, <laughs> parked right next to one another. And I, and like, I was like, what, I, what is this? And then, you know, it's, yeah, it's got a. I Char- feel like it's, it's got like Charles inside. Manson in it. Yeah, Charles Manson's in it, like ish, like yeah, the whole Manson thing in Hollywood in the California in the sixties, mm-hmm. and like that's what I think it is. It's going to be like a really inside baseball kind of look at Hollywood and and like the actual process of or the actual world of Hollywood and world of filmmaking and like what and fame and all that stuff, um, and and it's kind of weird because. It's it's like a personal place and kind of self-reflexive place that Quentin Tarantino's in uh, with, like, The Hateful Eight, which was, like, if you read a lot about Hateful Eight, is kind of a very interesting reaction piece where Quentin Tarantino had, like, real-life socio-political disillusionment after, like, his whole run-in with the cops and all that. Yeah. 
and it kind of broke him in the sense of like making he had made like Inglorious Bastards and Django Unchained, which were these kind of idealized reimaginings of like violent, dark historical moments. And then he said kind of like after he, in real life, he realized like a lot of problems of like racism, anti-Semitism and stuff like he just kind of became more cynical and he made the hateful eight about like what the reality of things are. Yeah. And I feel mm -hmm. like once upon a time in Hollywood is going to be kind of nihilistic take on like what Hollywood is and like what it's all about. And I wouldn't be like surprised if this is like several steps away from him being like, all right, I said it all, I'm out. Like, Which is, I mean, right. you he, described it all. I mean, what were you saying? He, well, he said it himself that he wants to make 10 movies and then be done. That's why he's been counting them like this. You notice in the trailer, he says the ninth film yeah. by Quentin Tarantino. He's numbering these things off because after 10, he wants to stop. But personally, Tarantino's one of my favorite directors ever. Okay. So just looking at this cast alone, I am just salivating at the idea of this movie. You've got DiCaprio from Django. You've got Kurt Russell from Hateful Eight. You've got Brad Pitt from Inglorious Bastards. You've got this time period that he clearly adores in this era of Hollywood here in the 60s. And, yeah. you know, he showed his love of the 70s with some of his more grimier stuff with things like Death Proof, things like Kill Bill. But the, if you look, if you take a closer look at a lot of his movies, they tend to be about film. Yeah. Look back at Inglorious Bastards. He literally kills Hitler inside of a movie theater. It's yeah. all about how the Nazi Germany used to use propaganda films and how they used it as a physical weapon. So he turned around and made the movie a weapon against Hitler. You know, all of you know, you have all these different reimaginings of things like Kung Fu movies, old westerns, war films, crime films. Like this this feels right in line with a lot of those ideas that he's presented in the past. Yeah, but I think the difference I'm saying is like this one's kind of peeking behind the curtain of those things. It's like right. him getting like not so much into, like I said, there's like a childlike phase of Quentin Tarantino. And I feel like we're into the more kind of adult man phase where you go back and you have to examine the things you loved as a child. And right. like, like I said, Hateful Eight was his like social reexamining and being like, no, like this is the real world I live in. And like, I think this is going to be kind of a harsh breakdown of the Hollywood behind the actual glitz and glamour of film. That's fair. And I think a lot of that nihilism is going to come from the Charles Manson subplot. Yeah. Because exactly. it sounds like they're, it's not just, oh, I'm, I'm living next door to Sharon Tate and, hey, there's some noises going on over there. Oh, well, back to our story. No, they're <laughs> going to be directly intertwined with what's happening. Yeah, and I think he'll be like representative of the sickness in Hollywood and the craziness and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I mean, this is going to be one it sounds like we'll be talking about. I guess we'll have to have Connor back for our uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood review. Darn right. <laughs> uh, sounds like he's got thoughts. Thoughts. I have lots of thoughts. All right, so we're going to take a break, but when we come back, I'm going to give you a breakdown of a new uh, teen comedy movie that I think is worth noting, and uh, Connor and Matt are going to talk some wrestling with you. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. 
Get IXL now, and listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. All right, so I went out and saw the uh, movie Booksmart, which is basically, if you've heard it described as female super bad, uh, that's a pretty apt description. I mean, it pretty much fits what this movie is. Um, it's notable because it's the directorial debut of Olivia Wilde, you know, uh, beauty icon, sex symbol, actress, you know, person we've adored since the OC. I don't know. My favorite, <laughs> my favorite part of House. Of House, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, she was on House, yeah. Man, I go all the, all the way back to, like, what was that show called? Skin? It was, like, about, uh, it was, like, some crusading congress it was like a romeo and juliet story that fox it was one of fox many canceled series <laughs> but like um a pornographer's daughter like falls in love with like a crusading congressman's son and like it was like her baby. yeah yeah that no was, i don't okay. remember that sure yeah, yeah was, i mean there, that was a show there was a period of time in those early 2000s where fox was just yeah, yeah, yeah they're pushing them out you stuff. greenlit that but you canceled firefly <laughs> yeah no i mean they were all getting kind of uh canceled at the same time but anyway, Olivia Wilde's debut. I mean, uh, this movie, if you've heard things about it, like, I mean, the commercials are starting to show that it's, like, you know, 100% on Rotten Tomatoes and all that stuff. So I thought I'd check it out just to see if this is going to be, you know, one of these new kind of underdog teen comedies that kind of breaks. And I got to say, in the case of Booksmart, it would deserve to break. Um, this was just pleasantly surprising one of the funnier kind of teen coming-of-age comedies I've seen since Superbad, um, and, and very different with, like, a female perspective, two female protagonists and a female director, but not different in, like, an on-the-nose or bashing you over the head way of, oh, we're female and this is a female story. Not at all. It's just very... It's just that perspective. Mm -hmm. It's very immersive. Mm -hmm. And Olivia Wilde is proves to be a really good director. Like, she's really great about creating this kind of world where by the end of this film, you actually feel like you know this high school, you know this class, and you know all the kids in it in, in like a more, in not a breakfast club generic way. Like, oh, he's like this kid, and this is the stoner kid, and this... No, they're all kind of unique, and it's kind of a funny thing. So what it's about is these two girls who are kind of the class nerds. Um, one's come kind of a making her debut. Her name is Caitlin Deaver. The other is uh, Benny Fettelstein, who made her breakout role was in Neighbors. She was the crazy kind of girl who went through, like, uh, Seth Rogen's windshield. Yeah. Oh, she's like, yeah. Kappa new bitch, I'm on painkillers, like, and she's <laughs> running down the street and stuff. So it's that girl, and she plays, she's also, if you watch what we do in the shadows right now, she has an arc on that where she's, like, a young, fledgling vampire. But uh, basically, she's the class president, like, the do-gooder, and her and her best friend, who is like a young girl who's kind of just finding herself as an LGBTQ kind of uh, coming out of the closet, but never really been with a girl. And it's a story about, it's kind of your super bad setup. Like they've gotten to the end of the year and their school is like so progressive about like not making kids feel bad. So they don't tell each other like where you're not allowed to announce where you go to college. Oh, jeez. And so, <laughs> yeah, basically the whole key is like, so this girl, uh, her name's Molly, the class president, has been like, they, her and her friend have done nothing but like study, 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 be good kids. They get into Yale. Now they're kind of feeling themselves. But this confrontation at school in the last day kind of makes Molly, these other kids, break it to her that like, yo, you know, like we're all going to good schools. Like, like I'm going to Stanford. I'm going to Yale. And like the people she thought are like had labeled like, 
you know, the, you know, the slut in class or the stoners, yeah. they're all going to good schools and have all this other stuff going on. And so these two girls have a breakdown and realize, like, we've done nothing, so we have to have a part. We have to go to a party. And so that's the setup for them having this crazy night where they're trying to get to this party. And it's your basic teen comedy setup. But like I said, it's just really well plotted. All the setups and sequences and stuff are, like, laugh out loud funny. The cast and the characters that Olivia Wilde kind of creates are just hilarious and, like, really good kind of reflections of modern high school kids in like all their kind of complexity in this time and place in the world. Um, and like, yeah, just a lot of great young actors and the comedy is just really on point. And our theater was literally laughing out loud throughout most of this movie. And I was too. And I just, I seriously recommend you just go and check this out. I'm not going to tell you anything like, I mean, it yeah. sucks to try to tell you like specific gags and stuff like that. But um, yeah. And they deal with like everything and just, Good raunch comedy, like with female characters, female director, female writers, um, proving once again, you know, that changing, we're giving this chance to an, a point of view from, a, you know, the opposite gender doesn't make like a raunch high school comedy any less powerful or potent yeah. or able. So sure. great example of it. Um, yeah. Check out Booksmart. If you're looking through something, I think it's kind of flying under the radar. But like, yeah, if you want to see kind of the next super bad, check this one out. I'm happy for Deaver, too, because she's on uh, she's Eve on Last Man Standing. Mm. And she's great on that show. So now to actually see her like be able to like have different parts and stuff, this should be great for her. Yeah. I mean, so, yeah, check that one out. All right. That's my spiel. I'll give you guys the rest of this time. You tell us. And make sure you keep it honest 100 with the people. Oh, God. Uh, the champion demands see it. See what we Co do? Kofi. If oh. you actually got Kofi. any of this prediction stuff right. Kofi. And how right. Yeah. Your title's upside down. <laughs> oh. I didn't want to say anything, but you kept waving it. <sighs> love it. It's good. Only a portion of the audience will see this on video. <laughs> For the audio it. portion, you guys are you guys uh, are safe. That was amazing. Okay. Uh, good good time <laughs> on that one. Well, Matt, so we had Money in the Bank this past Sunday in Hartford, Connecticut. Yes. Overall, I'd say it was a pretty good show with one pretty flat ending. Would you agree? Yes, I would agree. I would go above flat and just say that was a WTF, why would you do this ending? But yeah, no, absolutely. So I'm guessing you weren't a fan of Brock Lesnar, Wayne. Uh, no, um, but I'm conflicted mm -hmm. because I see it as I, I was reading a bunch of responses and a lot of them are typically like, you know, like, oh my God, writing's lazy, da da da, whatever. But then I read someone else's, and I can't. It was one super. It was actually a superstar, um, and I can't remember whose feed it was now. But it was something along the lines of, you know, they people get mad when you surprise them. Mm -hmm. No one saw that coming. No one was going to see that coming. So you shock them, and then are like, "Well, why didn't you give us what you want?" And they would be just as mad if it was something else because it didn't have the shock value, and they didn't get the thing. And I, there is a part of that. Like, that's that's real. Like, mm -hmm. it wasn't what I wanted, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's any less effective. That's why I tweeted, like, the ending was good, I, or the ending was memorable. Mm -hmm. You'll remember that the rest of this year, right? I don't know if it was good, but it was memorable. My, my counter-argument to that would be, this is twice now in the last year where we thought we were finally out of the woods with Brock. We were done with these long title reigns where he doesn't show up on TV very often, he rarely defends the title on pay-per-view, mm -hmm. and the rest of the roster is left to suffer as a result. 
Yes. And when Seth won at WrestleMania, it was just like when Roman won at SummerSlam. We thought, okay, fine. We get to move forward done. with yes. the roster and with this championship that you guys keep claiming is the more important of the two world titles, even though I'm way more interested in what's happening on the other show. Yeah, absolutely. And not even in six weeks. We went six weeks this time. <laughs> Last time it was a month. Yeah. Six weeks, and we're right back to so Brock Lesnar. So it's getting longer. Because it's, the WWE <laughs> is a, has run out of stars. Right, and they're afraid. It, here's a number that well, might scare you. Yes, well, the WWE well, has run out of stars. Do you run, run out of stars? Yes. That's, that, that's another argument, but think, yes. think of it this way. Remember the reign of terror Triple H had from 2003 to 2005, mm -hmm. give or take? Mm -hmm. I did the math. Brock Lesnar has been champion for more days than Triple H was in those four reigns. This is a new reign of terror that we've been stuck in. And people are sick of it. People are wanting something new. That's Agreed. where a lot of this backlash is coming from. Not necessarily that, oh, we have no stars, so here comes the only one that we have who made his name more outside of the ring than he did in it. Agreed. And, I, and I'm not even saying, like, when I came from that, I'm conflicted on it. Mm -hmm. I don't, because I, I can see both sides of that. Because I, as someone who just wanted Seth to beat him, right. just to be done with it, right. and then we move forward, I w I'm in that camp. But, like, I'm but here's the thing, that. though. Seth can still beat him. Right. It, I think it's going to be just as likely that instead of a surprise cash-in, Brock just comes out next week and says, hey, I'm booked for Saudi Arabia, and I don't have a match, so I'm going to use this uh, against Seth. And we get a rematch, and Seth retains, and this whole thing's done. But that also brought up, I and I saw know, that reaction a bunch, Brock too. Brock Lesnar lose in Saudi Arabia. That would make the Saudis unhappy. <laughs> I saw that reaction, too, of like, okay. And we'll get to the other Money in the Bank winner, because that was done brilliantly, mm -hmm. in my opinion, from as a moment. But then one's already cashed in. Right. So then your other one's on Lesnar. If he does just dump it and mm -hmm. says, oh, well, I want my thing, then you're done already. Right. Like, you've already lost your cash-ins for the entire year. I think this pay-per-view show that they're kind of getting sick of the Money in the Bank con contract concept. Because if you look at the past couple of years, basically since Seth cashed in at 31, look at how it's gone since. Sheamus cashes in, causes a start-and-stop feeling with Roman Reigns as world champion, and this whole thing falls flat. No one gave a crap about Sheamus' last world title run. Yeah, uh, Dean Ambrose cashes in the night he wins it. Uh, Baron Corbin fails to cash in. Braun Strowman fails to cash in. Yeah. Now you're on Brock Lesnar, who nobody wants. Over on the women's side, yeah, you had Carmella hold it for a long time, but then Alexa Bliss was a good wins it the night she ca cashes it in, the night she wins it. Yeah. It looks like they're trying to get rid of this as soon as possible rather than have it build somebody. But why? I think they're just shackled to the idea. But I mean, it could, I mean, but you saying that makes me think they could just be swapping the concept of uh, the money in the bank holder with that stupid oh, God. seven title. Which we haven't mentioned yet. Wait, That's a let's talk about that. <laughs> It, the design is awful. We, oh, we all God, agree. It looks like something you bought it, at a dollar tree. It looks tree. awful. The only excuse I can give it is that it, I know it's... It looks like Kofi's belt. His belt looks nicer. Yeah, that his, plastic. Yeah, that belt looks nicer my than the 20% belt. belt. That it's thing's phenomenal. plastic and it sits on my desk. It's like a Duck Dynasty belt. Why is, why is it <laughs> right. so... Uh, the only excuse I can give it is that it's going to get dinged up because it's going to get dropped and thrown around yeah. and hit, hit with people. So they probably need it to be kind of durable. That's the... Best excuse I can give that design. Otherwise, looks awful. Which, by the way, if you don't, for those who don't know what the 24... It's the 24-7 championship, which essentially is... Can be defended 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Anywhere by anyone. So already we're on our third... The third champion. Third champion, mm -hmm. and it was just introduced last night. <laughs> which was an but, epic trolling 
of, of oh. WWE oh, yeah. with, by having Mick Foley bring it out because the 24-7 rule was the rule that, you know, that Crash Holly sort of introduced with the hardcore Everyone thought belt. it was the hardcore belt. Uh, yeah. and, it was, and it was great. And so everyone thought, oh, man, we're getting a hardcore title. This is going to be great. And instead, we get the 24-7 aspect of it, not the hardcore aspect of it. And you're just like... And, and everything about that moment with the whole lower mid card of the roster running out like a bunch of idiots. Yep. Like there's someone who played the, 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 the Benny Hill music yes. uh, <laughs> over the, <laughs> yeah, the, the yeah. thing. And it was just like, are you, are you serious? No. Someone pointed out that Bobby Roode. Did you see that on Twitter where they were like, his song was playing Stand and Fight <laughs> as he was running, bolting out of the arena <laughs> with the belts. Like, I was like, yeah, okay. <laughs> I mean, that 24-7 belt just sounds like something they invented for social media. So but, you have to like keep checking Twitter to see if somebody like Jack. Yeah, but here's the thing. They're already having fun with it. Because R-Truth is running around thinking that it's the European Championship. <laughs> You've got Drake Maverick passing out wanted posters to everyone in the arena already. Like... You can have a lot of fun with this idea. They had fun with it yes. with the hardcore championship. And I'm sure they got plenty of new ideas. An idea I heard get spitballed last night, have Braun Strowman win it. And just for a month, everyone's too afraid to actually challenge him for it. <laughs> that would work. Yeah, that would work. Like yeah. there's a lot you can you can flex your creative muscles with this. Because it's the perfect title for Vince McMahon. If so he's it, constantly changing his mind, you can constantly just have the belt lose. So it you, sounds like you like it then. I like the idea of it okay. a lot. I hate the design. That's okay. my issue. So that's it. It's it just really the belt. is an awful. No, it's design. it's crap yeah. on a stick. But you like the idea. Oh, right? I love the idea. Okay, all right. But also, but my my concern is 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 that like even with just the way they introduce it, where you have like literally wrestlers falling over one another to try and get like the, the fun of it when it was the hardcore title was like, I was telling Connor last night, like the, the crash Holly match with the, with the headbangers at a fun zone USA where like they were having a, they had a match at a fun zone because crash was just like <laughs> chilling before all <laughs> that night. And, uh, and like, then there was a match. They yeah. brought Earl Hebner out to, the, to be the referee. As long as there's a referee there, yeah. you yeah. can do the match. So they could right. have it at a McDonald's if they yeah. wanted to. But, and yeah. so like so like the idea of that I think is, is fun, but like to like if they're my my worry is that they're gonna try and fit too many people into this angle to just use them. Yeah. And it's gonna work, then yeah. for it to actually like be able to carry some form of a story or whatnot. But you, I agree. You, you they can need to a, stick it on a big man yeah. and let the big man just be like bully people around. Because people are going to get real inventive to try and figure out a way. Like there were times where uh, it was like during the hardcore title thing, where like Pat Patterson, uh, Briscoe, who you know were old as hell back then, mm -hmm. uh, won it, uh, or, or one of them won it by like just like putting their hand over someone who was napping, right? And and just got you, the referee to go one have, two three. You and can they go, got the title and they ran. I hear you guys talk about wrestling. <laughs> it's, so it's the greatest thing. And we work thing in the ever. office where we talk about like the ridiculousness of comic books and anime, oh, yeah. but yet somehow wrestling keeps talking. Kyle is like the John most Oliver had the best quote: "Wrestling is better than the stuff you like." <laughs> <laughs> um, so we do need to get to the other money in the bank. Uh, right. Bailey cashed in. It was a great moment. Uh, you're. I I want to hear you say it. Matt, I, I was I, wrong, I, and Connor was right. You're damn right. Connor was right. You're I talked to it on Twitter too. I was open. I was like, yeah, I was wrong, and I was wondering how long it would take him. It was. It actually took you longer than I thought. Can the guys in the back like get that on later. Loop, please. It was like an hour later. He was like, so because I was, was right. I was busy writing for comicbook.com. <laughs> I'll have you know. <laughs> so I yes, it Becky went from two belts. 
to one. Mm-hmm. Uh, no more t-shirts. Oh, well, that's still something. I know. That's what I said. As last, was proved to that's me. That's what last I said last week. I got week. argued down on that. <laughs> I said it last week. They were so, gonna keep selling them. You were like, oh no, they I mean miss it on merchandise. I thought they would get more out of it. I thought she would last another pay-per-view with that. But at the same time, I love I I can only be so mad because I'm bummed as a Lynch fan, mm. but I loved how they how they played it out. And it's nice to see Bailey's another star that's been underutilized as far as storylines and all this other stuff and they took a, a burning yeah but I don't thing. want Bailey to like all of a sudden get an edge and no. basically be no. Becky light I honestly think this this moment of her like reconciling like do I cash in now she's down that was honestly I think as much of a turn as you're gonna get like I yep. think that's you're gonna see her toy with that stuff but it's never I don't think at least not yet it's not we're not looking at to add her to make her another so Becky two belts is back down to being just the man exactly Even though she had a great and, and they're now they're doing what I told you they were gonna do last week instead of it just being all about Becky Lynch now you've got two programs people want to talk about yes Bailey and Charlotte Becky and Lacey yes like now you've no, got stuff to fill the I, I thought it was a great idea it, it, it worked out really well I'm I was bummed but it worked out really well I actually think her match with Lacey was actually much better than I was expecting it to be. I'm not the biggest right. Lacey Evans person, but like I, it actually turned out to be pretty fun. I'm going to I'm going to uh admit something to you guys. Mm. Oh. Um no oh, no. Finn Finn Balor. Oh god. Put on a clinic. Oh god. Yes. Oh my god. During during the money in the bank. Yes, he, he did. Took, I already told you he my took favorite moment. He took yes, some he bumps. Did. Yeah, he took some he bumps. Took, some like there is, there is a gift. there is a gif that I think that maybe put out on Twitter where he took a, a a for all intents and purposes a power bomb onto a ladder and bounced off that thing like a basketball like, like it hot. just mm-hmm. and then he took a shoulder shot yeah uh, and then he took another like he yeah. took a back but like, shot on but like that all of ladder. that stuff like that's all the stuff that makes Finn as an entertainer entertaining yeah but like he doesn't but outside of like a Money in the va- Bank type ladder match event. You get none of that. Mm-mm. None of that. No, a lot of that person. And so, I, so in I, the Money I, in the Bank match, Finn Balor, great. Yes. Will he and be that? And I have zero faith he will continue to do anything like that. Well, a lot of people said about a lot of those superstars. I'm saying the talent's there. It's it's the talent. His skill in the ring is there. All he needs is the right storyline and the right personality. I'm I'm sticking by it. And these things, these matches, are proof that like it's there. He just has to have a personality to match. And like I said, a lot of these superstars have great personalities. Biggie languished on this roster forever, and they didn't know what to do with him. And now the New Day is the biggest thing since sliced bread, right? Mm-hmm. Like these, these wrestlers have personalities they don't show all the time. Look no further than Kofi, for example. Oh, God. <laughs> You're darn right. <laughs> yes, yeah, so anyway, that's my spiel on that. But yes, I was wrong. Connor was right. That is all right. Is that it? We, is, that, is that it? Or well, have... we can. I was going to say best match of oh, night. Yes, we did agree, or sorry, we did not agree. We predicted mm-hmm. best match of night. What was yours? Mine was AJ Styles versus Seth Rollins. Okay, what was yours? Jim, why are you shaking your head? You didn't like it. It was boring. What did you not like about it? That okay. Oh, the, man, stomp tra- <laughs> the stomp transition into the Styles clash was one of the best counters I've seen all year. Sure, but to me, that's just like things like that now have kind of felt like they've lost, you know, excitement because of Randy Orton with his RKOs out of nowhere. And so, like, don't the, fini- Randall. the finisher, like the finisher Randall. out of nowhere, the finisher <laughs> reversal, like whatnot. Like, all right. I don't know why it made me laugh. 
I think for my, I predicted because I went a different route because I was trying to <laughs> avoid that. And they put on a clinic. That was a great match. I thought it was a great match. Uh, I predicted Kofi and Kevin Owens would be the match of the night. I didn't come away with that as high as I come away with Kofi and Daniel Bryan's. However, it was still a good match. I actually thought the men's money in the bank was fantastic. Was I up thought until the was, last like twenty seconds. Yeah, yeah. Lesnar thing aside, up until that point, considering there were in, a lot of new faces in that uh, in that Ali match, had a great showing. Oh, yeah, yeah there yeah. were like it was a a great mix of uh, of folks in there. I think it it needed maybe one more like bigger guy. Yeah, in it because um, they centered a lot on McIntyre and having to take a lot of that. Right, <laughs> yeah, he, that. he was. Yeah, I mean, he was the biggest one in there. But like, you needed someone like a Kane or a, yeah, and, you know, and like that type. Randy's probably spent ninety percent of the match out of the ring. Just yeah, like, I know. Am I going to slam oh, yeah. somebody? He or just like, chill? Yeah, he's like, he's like, I've been doing this for ten years, and they I, did play I'm that out in the commentary, which I liked. Of like, he's a veteran. He's just waiting for his spots. I'm like, he's chilling on the outside of the ring, not doing anything. Uh, but yeah, I I thought they had. That was that's everything I want out of those kind of matches, and I came away like that's a great match. Yeah. I gotta say, I was bummed Sammy wasn't in it because once he was put into the match, I'm like, you've got the most momentum going in, <laughs> hung upside down, hung upside what down like the freaking Batman attacked him. Also, can we say Alexa Bliss was the other one removed from the match ahead of time, and then she shows up on on and still, Raw, and I, she's hurt. Like, is that like, are we coming to the conclusion that she's all hurt, signs or holding keep pointing her to it? Be, it was a concussion. Back in like October and whatnot, yeah. which is why she went up out of evolution. I think it was just another one that got her out this time. Okay, because I was like, she wrestled the night after WrestleMania. So yeah. Anyway, so that was my thing. But that was my match of the night. Fantastic. All right. So sounds like that'll do it for our WWE Money in the Bank recap. And subsequently, as for this whole episode of Comic Book Nation as a whole. If you are just now getting into the show, you can always find new episodes every Wednesday and Friday, plus bonus episodes we put out like Robert Pattinson's Batman casting, like the Game of Thrones finale wrap-up. Otherwise, like I said, new episodes every Wednesday and Friday, and in those episodes you can subscribe to our RSS feed to regularly get updates about the show, or you can subscribe on your favorite platform. We are on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Playlist, Google Podcast. And you can say, play Comic Book Nation podcast to any Amazon Alexa device, and it will cue us up. If you want to discuss anything with us from the show, you can find us on social media at the hashtag Comic Book Nation, or you can find me at Kofi Outlaw. At Matt Aguilar CB. At Connor Casey underscore CB. At Jim Viscardi. Yep, and uh, at Jim Viscardi over there. And if you like the show, be sure to go onto your favorite platform and leave us a five-star review because we will check them, read them, and if we read yours, we send you some comic book swag as a thank you gift. And you guys have been great about that, so uh, yeah, please keep them coming. That'll do it for Comic Book Nation. We'll see you guys next time. We're out. Deuces. Later. Later.